Hey, it's great being with you guys. So excited to be here and honored to be asked. And uh, it is really great working with our team, with Malcolm and Christy and, and Matt, and just thankful for Matt's leadership, uh, thankful for this church here, and thankful for the opportunity to talk about Jesus and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I did uh, quickly want to just throw up a picture of family. I've been married to Kim here, who's with me for 37 uh, wonderful years, and um, somebody's chuckling because I told one of our elders, we've walked together for 35 years at the church. That's kind of some of the secret sauce is long-term relationships uh, in the church, and uh, but when we'd been married about three years, he had a, a, an uncle from East Texas, and he would say, boys, when you say how long you've been married, say wonderful years, and do your hands like this. The women, they like it a lot. And so for all these years, we've been saying wonderful years, and by God's grace, it mainly has been really wonderful years. Um, and I'll share a little bit about my testimony, because before we got married, that's when I met the Lord about that time. It wasn't all wonderful. It was hard. But uh, so anyway, this is my daughter, uh, Emily. She's 32, and she's married to our worship pastor at the church at Antioch there in Fort Worth. And these are two wonderful little twin granddaughters. And she's honey, and I'm papa. And every Sunday we get running hugs and squeezes and, and love from these little, these little twin uh, uh Joy bombs is what they are. They are joy bombs for sure. And then my son lives in Austin, and uh, that's the next picture. And uh, that's his wife, Julia, and our, and our little granddaughter, Scarlett. And so, uh, yeah, we've got some great, and both, both of the girls are expecting again right now. And we've got another one coming there in April, and another one, I don't know the exact date, October or something. So uh, let me jump on into this. Also thankful for just Alec and Bell Waterhouse for making this lecture series possible. It's really, uh, I've already been changed and impacted by just being, just preparing for this. And because I love talking about what we're talking about today. And it is my joy and I want it to be your joy too. uh, To be something that when you think about uh, the Trinity and the relational God of love. That's kind of, we use that shorthand language sometimes, the relational God of love, that it would stir your soul thinking about it, um, and, uh, it and hopefully give you joy as well. I love to preach Jesus, and I love to preach the triune God of grace, um, and he is awesome. We're so thankful. All these messages are interconnected. I'm just seeing that already, and uh, they are... Uh, to use a little bit of Trinitarian humor here, they are interconnected without losing distinction. Um, so anyway, uh, that's a bit of a seminary joke. But, um, but they are. They're, they're building on each other. And, and I was just uh, listened to, listen to Matt, listen to Malcolm, listen to Christy, and then hopefully uh, building on that here today and talking about uh, Trinitarian preaching. You know, a number of years ago at the church there in Fort Worth, uh, we said, what would it be like if we were to be intentional about trying to get Trinitarian theology more intentionally worked out in the church? What would it look like? And just to be intentional about that, and we, the way we envisioned that was uh, thinking about it is like nudging a ship. 
you know, the ship, it, we don't have to change everything overnight, but if we could just nudge the trajectory a little bit, maybe one degree over time is going to have a big effect. And that's part of the vision I'm wanting to cast here for, for, the, for this group is that we don't have to change everything overnight, but if we can get this conversation going in the church and start working this out, it's going to get worked out in a lot of different areas of church life, and it's going to be, if we haven't been having this conversation, to start having it, and all the relational, wonderful connects, it's going to make a difference in the church over the long haul. And we're seeing that happen in Fort Worth. It's a joy. It really is a delight to see it happen. I'll just say, by way of intro, too, that preaching is, it's a whole life kind of thing anyway. You want, I want to be somebody who's walking as a disciple, as Christy was talking about, living a, a holy life and, and trying to follow Jesus and making my, the first waking thought be Jesus and abide in him during the day and live life with brothers and sisters that are trying to live on mission for his honor and glory. So all of those things are happening as we're talking about this. I, I was asking an older brother who's in the church, just telling him about this conference, and he, I said, what, what do you think about what I'm saying so far? He said, I think this is great, but he said, there is something about the way you preach the gospel that you need to be sure and mention, and, and it's the way we've preached the gospel for a long time, and it's already been touched on by, I know by Matt, and, and maybe by Malcolm, and, and certainly by Christy as well, is, is that... When we're preaching the gospel, the way we talk about it at, in Fort Worth is I, I, we really emphasize a lot the gospel of the kingdom. So because in America, a lot of times when people think of the gospel, they think believe and get your sins forgiven and go to heaven when you die. And that's not untrue, but it's just, it's, it's just boiled down to such a a least common denominator when there is so much more to the gospel. And so the way I think about it a lot of times is think about it like a bushel of apples. The gospel of the kingdom is like a bushel of apples. There's, there's a lot of good newses besides just the good news of having your sins forgiven. It's the good news of being delivered from sin and the power of sin. It's the good news of, of new life. It's the good news of hope and freedom and and, and uh possibilities for life in Christ that we were just talking about. So it's, it's being delivered from darkness and into light, from death and into life, from Satan's kingdom and into the kingdom of God. And so it just gives more language, uh, and, and that's the way I'm thinking about it um, all the time. Um, you know, this talking about preaching, Trinitarian preaching and teaching, is part testimony, a little bit of, I'm going to share some of my story, but it's part um, Trinitarian theology, it's part uh, hermeneutics, how we interpret the Bible through the lens of Jesus Christ, it's, it's part, uh, uh, what did I say, hermeneutics, homiletics, it's, how, it's, a, it's a style of preaching and, and, and speaking and communicating, but it's also ecclesiology, it's about the church, and it's also definitely Christology. It's about Jesus. And so centering in him. And so I'm going to just be touching on a bunch of those things here. I read a story uh, just two months ago. I'd never heard of this story. Anybody heard of J.R.R. Tolkien? Uh, just pretty much everybody should be. And, um, but he wrote this story called 
life, uh, leaf by niggle, leaf by niggle. And I'd never heard of it, and it's about this guy, and it was actually autobiographical. It was when he didn't know if he was going to get Lord of the Rings done, he wrote this story down, and it's about himself. And he, he pictured himself as this guy named Niggle, who is an artist in a place that did not value art. So he had this vision of a tree that, and it was like heaven. He'd seen a a heavenly vision, and he wanted to unpack that and, and paint that, and so he began to, to paint, and, but there were so many distractions in life. He had this incredible vision, but there's so many distractions, and, and he wanted to do it just right, just perfect, and it was a tree set up in, at the beginning of a huge forest, and he would get so distracted, and he, he would want to paint each leaf so specifically because it was such a beautiful tree. And, but he's distracted with life and things that are happening and his neighbors needed all this attention and care and he was getting ready to go on a long journey and he never really got to finish his tree and he ends up dying and he goes to heaven and he's given a bike and he's riding through a meadow with a friend and there's the tree. He sees this tree that he had always envisioned. He said, that's the tree, that's my tree. And they go and they look at it and then he's invited by God to, into the forest to prune and work the garden and help to make the trees more wonderful and beautiful. And I just thought, man, what a picture of the Trinitarian vision of God in that we are seeing something about God through the lens of Jesus that's wonderful and beautiful and awesome and incredible, but we can't, we can't get it all out. You know, and it's like, I see this leaf, and I'm so excited to tell you about the part I see, and then Christy sees some other part, and she's excited to tell you about the part she sees, and Matt's got some stuff, and he's excited to tell you about the part, Malcolm, you know, and, and, and it's not just us, then it's the church coming together, and there is a fullness that can only be realized when we're together, when we're in times like this, talking and sharing, and it's, uh, it's just beautiful and wonderful, and I want to just pause and just, even as we're starting here, and just, and just remember, the ground of our very being is that we're loved by God. Out of the overflowing, nonstop, never-ending Niagara of love that is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from before all eternity that could not be contained, but overflows and overabounds into creation and into our very existence that's us. That's who you are. That's who I am. Objects of his affection and care and love from all eternity. So here's, if I was going to boil this down to one soundbite, here's my main thing. God's calling us to joyful Trinitarian preaching and teaching that affects our personal lives, our churches, and our mission to the world. Okay? And I could have, I said joyful. I, I think that fits. Um, could have said worshipful or life-giving, Trinitarian preaching. Um, there's a lot of adjectives you could put in there, but um, I think you get the, the heart of that. It is joyful. It should be joyful. It should be joyful for me to stand up here and talk about the Lord like this, right? So Trinitarian preaching is shaped by, here we go, the journey. I'm just going to share a little bit about our journey and the logic and just kind of how things fit together and thinking about the Trinity, and then the practice of it, just doing it. So this is kind of the way, and, and we are very much in process. We're not done. We haven't arrived. We're not there. But we're, we're on the journey. The door has opened, and we've taken some steps into it. 
and it is an incredible space. I'm just, I read this guy years ago, Frank Laubach, and uh, I remember reading, he said, in his journal, he said, this morning I looked into the face of Jesus until I ached with bliss. And I was like, oh man, I, I want to do some of that. And then, then I read another line from him. He said, this morning I walked through a door and I discovered that there are vast, undiscovered continents just waiting to be explored in the presence of God. And I think all of us were, were trying to get language. That's the niggle stuff. That's Malcolm going, it's so majestic and incredible. It's, and there should be that in our hearts because there is mystery and an awesomeness to God but he's also revealed himself so even though it's mystery it's not all mystery he's wants us he wants us to know him he wants us to relate to him and have relationship with him so the journey for me um like I mentioned a minute ago when uh, yeah when I was 12 I heard a sermon about hell the it, the sermon was entitled what is hell like and I was like man I I do not want to do that and so they had a they they had an altar call and I came down to the front and got baptized that day and it was nobody's fault but I missed the the fact that it was about a a relationship with Jesus Christ I I missed that part I was kind of avoiding hell and and but I missed the Jesus part so I, I was around church but then in college didn't go at all she she didn't have a church uh, background and so we were dating at the time and so we just didn't go to church got involved in drugs and stuff my senior year in college and it was bad I'm not going to just go into the details of it but it was bad and at death's door I was literally thinking about killing myself because I couldn't see a way out of the bondage to drugs that I was in and uh, and in that dark moment eyes my face down in my bed back in my parents home and crying my eyes out, and suddenly Jesus was before my closed eyes, and he was smiling, doing like this to me, and I said, Jesus, if that's you, you've got to save me, because I am so lost, and I met Jesus that day, like in a life-giving, wonderful way, and it, my life changed, and she knows, she, she, you know, we, our lives changed in that, and that revelation of Jesus is something that everybody needs, whether it's a Muslim who's having a a vision of Jesus and needs somebody to explain that good news to them. Oh, you met the man in white in your dreams again for 90 straight nights. Well, let me tell you, he is the living Christ. And so we, that's the, that's the good, Jesus is alive. And I, you know, I didn't say this again, but I, earlier, but I'll just say it now. I probably start out most of my sermons these days by saying that Jesus is the resurrected Son of God. And there's just something powerful because that's, you know, we, we talked about the cross, you know, but there's just something powerful. Everything changed at the resurrection. He's declared with power through the resurrection from the dead to be the true King and Lord of the world. Isn't that exciting? I mean, it changed the apostles. It changed everything. Everything got rearranged, and they're looking through the lens of Jesus to understand the scriptures, the story, God, everything. This is the, the incarnate one who offered a fully sanctified life on our behalf, died on the cross, resurrected on the third day, ascended, poured out the Spirit, and is returning again in glory to bring a resurrected life for us, literally the life that we share now is eternal life 
in us, but we're going to have resurrected bodies on the, in the new heavens and new earth, and it's going to be glorious and awesome and incredible. So how that all gets worked out in us, I, just in talking about Trinitarian preaching and teaching, I would say my life message, and I can't get away from this, I have to talk about it a little bit here from Ephesians, uh, is, is just to say, for me, there's some really mountaintop places in Scripture it's not all flat, right? And so Ephesians, and we can argue this later, um, but I'll often say that Ephesians 1 to 3 is like the Mount, the Mount Everest of the New Testament. Um, and I just, I, I love it. It so profoundly impacted me. And it's in what he's, Paul says at the end of that section in the doxology, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Christ, the church, and the glory. And so I would say for 25 years, this has been the, we've been going 30 years. We're in our 31st year since planting. Um, but, but for 25 of those years or more, um, this has just been my heartbeat, just to see, because what we see about Jesus changes everything. Our revelation about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, it just, it changes everything. That's how he's building, and it needs to be on our lips, proclaiming, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. You didn't get that, you didn't get that from man, you got that from heaven, and the Lord wants us to see, he, we, we've got to see who he is, that he is the Alpha, the Omega, the bread of life, the living water. He is, he is our Lord. He's our King. He's our Savior. We've got to see who he is and what he's done, all the big words of the cross, that he is the reconciler between God and man. He's a great mediator between God and man, representing fully God to man, man to God. And in his person, we find life and salvation, hope, deliverance, freedom, who he is, what he's done, what he's doing, uh, owning this, that, that all that Jesus was doing, he is doing. He hasn't changed. You know, he's still delivering people. He's still setting people free. He's still speaking and leading us. He wants us to be a sheep who listen to him and who respond to him and live our lives in fellowship and abiding in him. Apart from him, we can do how much, right? Nada, zero, nothing. And so we got to see who Jesus is, what he's done, what he's doing, and what he will do, that he's coming again, like I was just proclaiming, to make things right in all the earth and to bring heaven and earth together uh, under his headship. Um, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace that he's freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of his grace that he lavished on us, with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, which he purposed in Christ to be 
put into full action in bringing everything to unity in heaven and on earth under Christ. This is really good news, that, and I didn't come up with that, just so you guys know, just blessing us with Paul's words from Ephesians. So the church, we've got to see Christ, but we've got to see the church. And so what, what I'm saying here, even in Trinitarian, talking about getting to Trinitarian preaching, is we need a high view of the church. We really do. The church is, as Paul says, all these things. I'm, again, I'm just I'm flying, just giving you an overview here. But the church is the fullness of Christ. I mean, how much of Jesus do you want? The, there's only one place to get all of him, and that's in the church. The church, he is head over all things for, the, for his body, which is the church, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And so us owning in the church together that there's one place to get all of him, and it's together. It's as brothers and sisters living life together in the church. I don't have the full picture, but together I get a fuller picture with my sisters and my brothers uh, together. If that makes sense. So the church is the fullness. The church is the administration. The church is the, the economy, uh, is the way he says that, the oikonomia. The church is... is uh, is like the distribution point for Jesus Christ in the world today. It's like the church is the biggest, most honking, huge uh, Walmart distribution center, um, Amazon distribution center. It's like housing Christ, and we don't want to hold on to it. We want to release those riches. It's been given to me to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ to the nations and to make plain the administration of that mystery, which was kept hidden, but is not hidden anymore. It's out. The secret's out. And it's Christ in the church. Oh, man, this is like incredible. And here's another one. The church is the eternal purpose of God. He goes on in Ephesians 3.10 and 11, says that the church is the eternal purpose. So we have all, we got a lot of young folks in the church in uh, Fort Worth, college and young adults and and, you know, they want to make a difference with their lives. I'm like, how about the eternal purpose of God? Is that, is that big enough for you? Like, you really want to make a difference with your life. What about the eternal purpose of God? What if you give 60, 70 years of your life to the eternal purpose of God? You won't get to the end and be bummed about that. Like, oh, man, I might have missed it there. No. This is, this is awesome good news. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the building of God. The church is the one new humanity. All of those things. And then when we bring that together, Christ, the church, uh, it's the glory of God that we're ultimately seeing. And not just, you know, a great definition is the outshining perfections of God. I think that's maybe Jonathan Edwards. Uh, But there's a definition of glory that I, I, I stumbled on a, a number of years ago that I love, and that is um, uh, it's when things are as they should be, like when it's right. Like every now and then you get a little taste of as it should be, and God's wanting that as it should be to not just be little windows when we say, oh, man, this is the way it ought to be. In worship you sense it. In prayer maybe you sense it. In, in, in things being made right. But imagine global, as it should be. That's what's coming. The glory of the, of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And so that kind of a vision then is influencing my, uh, my own outworking of Trinitarian preaching and teaching. It it's affects deep values for, go ahead and hit that next one. 
Uh, next one. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, personal devotion, just the way we were living life in connection with Jesus. In our, uh, like, I want the Lord's authority and word and life flowing through me. Um, it's going to affect deep values for church life together and mission, being on mission together. Um, the, we call it the reproducing church um, in Fort Worth. I often say, uh, I had our young adults come to me and they did an acronym for what I'm saying all the time, Milka Merk Muffler Hessek. And you may wonder, what, what is Milka Merk Muffler Hessek? I'm not speaking in tongues. Um, but Milka Merk Muffler Hessek is, we want to be a multi-ethnic, epicenter, life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, Christ-manifesting, Father's love-receiving, Holy Spirit-empowered church. Just straight up, that's what we want to do. And we want to share and multiply the life of Christ in the church through new life New, new disciples, new life groups, and new congregations to the glory of God and the joy of all peoples. And so all of that is kind of the context here for, um, like, that's the way we're living for all these years, you know, planting churches. And um, we had a church here in Honolulu from 06 to 15. And so I prayed for Hawaii so much and prayed for Honolulu and care, you know, as we've sent out people and teams to different places to plant churches around the world. Um, and that's a big part of our heart, even as a, as a church planting movement for Antioch. Um, this next, next idea that I want to touch on here is the, is, is the, uh, the logic. And so um, with our eyes on Jesus, we begin to see the way God actually is, triune and overflowing with love for us. And I remember, this is a number of years ago, but I would be talking about the Trinity or Trinitarian theology. And Kim, who is a great Trinitarian theologian, uh, because she has to listen to me all the time, but, but, uh, but she, no, she really is good. And she, go, she would tell me, Jamie, when you say Trinity and Trinitarian, sometimes people are just kind of glassing over. They'll kind of, you know, do like that. And so we started using this term, the relational God of love. And it's like relationships are a great on-ramp for talking about the Trinity, you know, for helping people, just, just normal, everyday folks understand just, hey, when, you, when your relationships are going right and things are, you hear that, that tuning fork of, man, this is the way it ought to be in our relationships. That is a picture of the triune God being image bearers and the way it ought to be in our relationships on the earth. Now, uh, that's been really helpful to us in Fort Worth and in the church life, uh, just especially thinking relationally. But I would also say that over time, as we've continued to, to work this out, we're seeing more and more, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing more and more expressions of Trinitarian, uh, the life in the church and, and it's really one of my joys is to see other people in the church bringing it up on their own in messages they preach or in a communion talk or in a, a talk about generosity and bringing in the Trinity and the self-giving love and overflowing love of the Trinity in just other pieces and parts of the church. Um, I'm, I'm working on a book right now and I, my goal was to have it ready for this conference. It didn't work out, but... Working title is The Trinity and Discipleship, Why Trinitarian Theology Matters for Everyday Disciples. And so 
This is part of the, for me, this is part of the logic of, of how I'm thinking when I'm thinking about Trinitarian preaching and teaching. Like, this is going on in the background. All this stuff I've been saying is a part of the flow of what's happening. So the starting point, the importance of the Trinity, like we've been talking about here in the conference, the sending of the Son, the revelation of God in the sending of the Son, the sending of the Spirit, the development of Trinitarian thought in the early church, certainly in the New Testament. Uh, they're like right off the bat, the, the earliest letter written is arguably Galatians, and it's in the fullness of time, God sent his Son, and he sent his Spirit you know, and so then the early church, the church fathers are working this out, the doctrine of the Trinity, and um, it's just, just huge. It's a, uh, it's a joy for us to reconnect with that part of the church. It's important that we reconnect with that part of the church, that we draw upon the streams of how God's been moving down through the years. I, just as an aside, I, I want to draw from all the different streams where the, the Lord has been moving down through the history of the church. And if somebody tries to pin me down, I'm, I'm like Keanu in um, uh, the, you know, the Matrix. You, know, you can't like, whoa, I'll, I'm not just that. I want to I be a broader representation of the, the body of Christ. Um, and if you haven't seen that movie, you, you might wonder why I was just doing that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why is he doing that? Um, so, so no, I want to be like, uh, I, I was telling Malcolm, I'm kind of like a, an Anabaptist, Trinitarian, Orthodox, Catholic, Mystic, Wesleyan, Holiness, Moravian, love the Moravians, um, you know, Great Awakening, Second Great Awakening, Reformation, certainly been influenced there, uh, but the Keswick movement, oh, we've been talking about, there's some Keswick stuff and what Christy was talking about, the exchanged life, the baptized life, the spirit-filled life, all of that, the, the Pentecostal movement, the, the third wave, the, the, certainly the vineyard movement has impacted me and the missional church movement and the Antioch movement. All those things are big influences um, in my life and I'm continuing to learn and grow. So that last thing, what we, what we know and we think we know, um, is just realizing that our worldview hinders, you know, if, if you've ever had the thought, like, I, like, it's hard to believe something that Jesus is saying because it's different than what I already thought, we all do that, and that's, that's worldview stuff. Like, how can Jesus be saying something different than what I already thought? Well, he, he's going to do that. That's, he, but he's the truth, and it's, it's not me. And so that's what happens in John 9 with the, the, the Pharisees. Like, well, how can you, you're, you're something different than what we thought you were already. And so that's an important piece there. And, but what we think we know is also, uh, what we know, excuse me, what we know is also important too. And that is God's put a deep imprint in our lives as image bearers. And when we come together like this, it's like we draw out more and stir each other up with more of what he's put in there so that we can understand more of what he's he's like what he's about so the the next section there is that in and through the church is uh these uh you can hear the influence of the church that i talked about earlier but worship into the circle of love 
that God is drawing us into the circle of his love and relationship is just a a blow away. He's drawn near to us to draw us into that circle of love. And that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. Uh, Community, uh, the relational image of God, seeing the church as an expression of the, the triune image of God. And then mission, the Father's sending That as the Father has sent me, Jesus is telling us, I'm sending you as well on a mission into the world. Reproducing discipleship in the context of community. And then finally, this practical section uh, is about the implications in our personal lives, of a fellowship and intimacy like Christy was talking about just a minute ago, but also in the church life. And we're touching on some of these practicals, but I'll just mention some I've written down that we're seeing impacted in the church in Fort Worth. Um, discipleship, evangelism, preaching, worship and singing, listening and prayer, life groups, leadership and decision making. And that's a, that's a huge one, just owning that vision that together we hear better. Leadership and decision making. Um, conflict resolution. Uh, part of that, again, Christy just mentioned, John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Prostone Theon means was turned, the word was turned toward the Father from all eternity. And so in conflict resolution, part of the deal is if we'll not turn away from each other, but we'll keep turning back toward each other, toward face to face, the Lord will often work in wonderful ways to bring about uh, healing and restoration and reconciliation in relationships and generosity in unity and multi-ethnicity. Um, in the, the, the relationships in the city, this is another uh, piece that I just uh, just say this uh, uh, piece here on uh, in, in the city. It's like if we see ourselves as one church in the city, then our the different denominations or different uh, representations. We're not trying to get like uh, Matt knows uh, a good friend of mine in Fort Worth. His name's Chris Freeland and pastor's doxology church bible church and like we're not trying to be doxology and they're not trying to be antioch we're one church with distinct with, with uh, maintaining our distinctions and that's very trinitarian uh in the city and then certainly the mission to the nations well okay so here's the practice let me just lay this out some practicals for how we do this in uh these final few minutes here um so, uh, yeah, the, the, as, as I just keep going further into this journey, one of the things I'm realizing is that preaching, out of all those practical things I just listened, uh, listed, preaching actually is really important. Like it be, and especially the way we're set up, we do, the, we do a sermon, and then our life groups take that sermon and then basically work that out. In, in conversation and in their lives and saying, what's the state of your life concerning this truth? It could be forgiveness or whatever the issue is. But um, so the preaching then has tremendous influence in influencing the life groups and then influencing the discipleship that happens as subsets of those life groups. And so that's, it's getting worked out in the church that way. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, we had a it was a life group Sunday and had testimonies from some, this couple that had been in the church about a year and a half. They moved from California. Their daughter 
was, uh, is a part of the church, and she married a guy, so she's staying in Fort Worth. She married a guy that's now on our staff, and, the, uh, and so they wanted to be with their daughter, and they moved to Fort Worth, and they'd never been in a life group. They'd been in the church for 30 years, but never been in that kind of community, and they said just, and you can look it up online, but just a couple, from a couple of weeks ago, but they said, our lives have been impacted and we've grown more in the last year and a half by being a part of life group where we're working this out together than in hearing all of those messages that we heard for all those years. It's really important then to have a place to work out, you know, uh, to, to work out the word that we're hearing from the front. So what does that look like for us? Key parts of the practice, and Matt gave me a few prompts here, and I'm going to touch on these, but um, the key parts of the process for us, hearing together. So high value on hearing the Lord together. And so as elders, when we go into the fall season especially, we're looking at the next year, and the elders, these different circles of leadership, the elders, the staff, the uh, Life group leaders are all like, Lord, what are you saying for this next year? What's, what's the word of the Lord going into the next year? And then as we get closer to the end of the year, it's like the Lord usually gives some clarity about that. And then we'll use that to kind of keep us, even when we, you know, get, we face something hard or something, how many times down through the years that word has been huge for us. And, and I will just say too, just so you hear the power of this, like, I don't know how many thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times we've prayed in 31 years now, Lord Jesus, you are the head of the church, lead us. You're the head of the church, lead us. We don't know what to do, we're at the crossroads again, lead us. Lead us into your word for this next year. And then that gets worked out as we get a sense of that word. You know, some of these examples uh, last year, it was beholding Jesus, overflowing love, um, gentle, tender, and kind, and abide in Christ. And then it gets worked out in a bunch of different series over the course of the year. But those words keep, you know, beholding Jesus, overflowing love. Those things would keep coming up again and again. Isaiah 55, in the middle of the year, the Lord just dramatically uh, pointed us to Isaiah 55 about being hungry and thirsting for him and pressing in and how that gets worked out in John 7 and all these different places uh, in fulfillment, that longing that's prophesied in Isaiah and fulfilled in Jesus. Uh, This year, um, just unity of the Spirit has been a big piece for us. Listen, surrender, and first love. I was sharing with a few different people earlier, like, Listen, surrender, and first love. Those were words for the church, but it's really impacted me personally. I feel like I'm getting stirred up to first love again. I can't, I just, I love Jesus. I, I mean, I love him, and I want to follow him with all my life. I want to live the, the, the baptized life. The remember your baptism actually was, has just been a great word for us over the last couple of years. We got into that, and Kim you know, with the women she's discipling, she, she'll tell them, you know, every morning, you know, I, I, bapt, I, just, I remember my baptism in the name of the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit. When she's washing her face, that's how she's entering into that. You know, that's, that's pretty awesome. Appreciate uh, just that reminder this morning. So that's part of how we hear together. Then how we prepare together. 
um, is we have what we call a sermon planning team, sermon planning team, and it's usually six, seven, eight people, and it's uh, different. Uh, We've got a a woman on there right now. We've got different ethnicities on there together, and you know why we would do that is so we have different perspectives when we're coming together and we're getting ready. We believe that the fullness is together, not by Jamie off in a room by himself, but the fullness is together, and it's awesome. I mean, this meeting, uh, it's an hour and a half, a couple times a month. Malcolm's been in on those, some of those for the last bunch of months, and it's been a joy having him there with us. We'll do those on Zoom, just real practically. A lot of people are live in the room, and, but it's, it's like, it's life-giving. To, it's like a Bible study on steroids, you know, I mean, we're chest not the guys and girls, but we're, it's like high fives and chest bumps and all that at the end because it's exciting. We're talking about the Lord and, and it's just wonderful. And laughter is frequent. We spend about a third of the time praying because the Lord is speaking while we're praying. We're trying to pray the will of the Lord. And so part of as we pray about it, we're hearing uh, the Lord through, uh, through one another. And just practically, we use a uh, just a, a Google Doc, isn't that great technology? You can just, everybody's on the same dock at the same time, and you're throwing in ideas, and so whoever's preaching then still has to, uh, I'm, I'm always cautious about uh, saying giving birth, but, but you have to, because I haven't uh, done that, and um, but that the birthing process, you still have to write the sermon, but man, you've got a great amount of of insight and help and ideas from other people to sit down and, and write the message uh, uh, when it's time to do it. Uh, delivery then is kind of that third area and the delivery of it, I'll just say this one thing with uh, in higher, long, 33 years of preaching um, and probably most of those messages, and different people do it in different ways, but most of those messages I've gone over with Kim first. I'm not like preaching at her. It's usually us sitting down. But in the early days, it really, it, and it still helps me. I still talk my messages through with her, and that's a key part of a kind of interconnected, working this out together uh, kind of framework. Um, you know, in the early days, I was Charlton Heston, and my hair was blowing in the wind, and I would be coming down from the mountain with my, the message I had done, and she's furrowing her brows at some point I'm making, and she's like, and I'm like, what, 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 this, this is the word of the Lord, you know, and she's like, uh, why are you telling that story right now, you know, and, and would help me, you know, and help me make sense, and help bring it down where it can be understood, and we need that kind of uh, help together and so that's something we really uh, have encouraged people to do is is even though we're writing it together we're also getting ready to prepare it together so that it makes sense to people uh, as we're, we're sharing it and finally there the application of it is in the ministry time immediately at the end of the sermon we just just our practice but we have people come up to the front and then people come down and get ministry in that moment. Because a lot of times people's hearts are touched, you know, right then. They, they, they need to respond right then. Is there a yes in your heart to something that's being spoken? Then come and get prayer to pray that in. Is there a hindrance in your heart to something that's being spoken? Then come and get prayer for that. Or if you have any other kind of prayer needs. So that's how we do it in the moment. But then it gets worked out in the life groups. 
You know, with that question, what's the state of your soul, your life concerning this truth? And just real, real practically, working out Trinitarian types of questions and one another's and in the life group where it can happen in a, in a smaller setting. Our discipleship meetings, even smaller groups of two to three. And then we have a, what we call the Antioch Discipleship School, but it's a nine-month school that we ask everybody in their journey with us at the church to do at some point while they're, while they're with us. And so that is where we can take a, a deeper dive and do more intentional uh, you know, teaching on the Trinity. Even when I'm, uh, you know, sometimes I'm explicit. Uh, you know, Malcolm had said when he called me, uh, uh, when we were talking about this, he said, you know, I, I know my, some of my kids have gone there and I, I, I've heard that you preach on the Trinity and I was like, you know, I probably preach on the Trinity every week in the sense that it's, it's in there. It's in the sauce. And a lot of times it's very explicit. And sometimes it's implicit. But it's there, right? And so, uh, yeah, just I, let me wrap this up here with a, with a couple of thoughts. Um, you know, we want to, uh, man, I, wa- I want to see God as he is as he really is. And if this is the way God is, then I want my life to more and more, our life together to more and more be conformed to the image of the way God is as he's revealed himself. Not just, uh, Malcolm was hitting this last night, but just not just my idea of what I think God ought to be like, but how he's revealed himself in the sending of the Son and the sending of the Spirit, a community of love together from all eternity and the question, I think, for, for us, and I mean, like right now, we're in John. We're looking at signs and signposts in John and just looking at the, the prologue and then the first sign, the prologue and the second sign, the prologue, third, and just tying that together. And I've got just people every Sunday going, I've never seen John. I've not read John like this. And it's because of, it's not just me, it's because of, Different brothers and sisters have an input into this and us getting a richer, more full, more complete understanding of God and preaching, you know, and standing up with, you know, veins and the neck and all that kind of stuff and being excited and going, this is incredible. God's awesome. He is the word. He is the light. He is the life. He is the incarnate one. He is the only one who can reveal God. He's the only one who's ever seen God. You have to go through him, period. He's the truth. We don't even set ourselves up as a standard of evaluation apart from him. He is truth. You know, and just, it's just, that's exciting, right? And so my challenge here as we wrap this up is to say, what is the one degree challenge, the one degree of change that you can do? Just saying, we don't have to change everything overnight, but what is something you can do with the kids or with the youth or with the college or whatever the, the area you have some influence with? What's that, that thing that we can do that over time, I mean, what would happen in 30 years? Because we're coming together right now. I was just yesterday at, the, at lunch, we were meeting together, and I was just like, I'm going, Lord, what are you doing here? And bringing people together from all over, East Coast, Central, you know, Fort Worth. What are you doing bringing us together? Because it stirred my heart up so much already. What does he want to do in you in bringing you here together with us, and what could happen? I mean, 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, right? You know, he's brought us in love into adoption into his family and there's so much more, exponentially more that he's waiting to release in and through us. And so may he do that in and through you. May he release an incredible vision of Jesus who is the Christ, the son of the living God, the triune God of grace and life and love. May he release that vision into you and into the churches that you represent here. And may it be awesome and for his glory. And may we see the world changed and his kingdom come with life and power.